Hey, hey, Lurid listeners, welcome back to the Kiss Me Quicks Erotica Podcast. This is your host, Rose Caraway. Big Daddy, once again, is out there slaying dragons, so it's just you and me and another Dreamtime episode. Welcome back. I'm so excited. Today is the third Dreamtime episode, and funny enough, I have three dreams to share with you, and they're each quite unique. I'm trying to keep track like in my calendar of the nights that I have a dream with like a little, I've got this big purple Sharpie that I have and I I put a little dot for every dream that I have and then I'll put three dots if I have or, you know, like for November 16th, like I'm going to read to you today, I put three dots on that day on my calendar. So I'm just trying to like keep track for for various things, um, including dreams, uh, my month. I've never done this before, but it's an interesting study of like me and my cycles and how I work. I I'm still like I'm still just gathering information. So <laughs> you know, it's an interesting look inside my brain. <laughs> Even as I have gone back and read them, I'm just like, okay, this I just. I don't even know what to make of it, <laughs> but I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> um, and so maybe you can make sense of it for me and, and let me know what you think. <laughs> okay, without further ado, here is dream number one that I had on November 16th, 2023. In parentheses, I have this one I wasn't in only observer. It was similar to the game Survivor, but there was a woman host running the show. There was a group of contestants somewhere between 18 and 20 in total. Everyone was on a paddleboard in the middle of the Nile. The goal was to see who could make it to the Mediterranean. Everybody was worried about the convergence where the white met the blue. The prize was a castle and two dogs or puppies of their choice. The group was made up of both men and women, including Bruce Willis, and one girl who barely looked like an adult. She'd recently had four teeth pulled from her upper jaw, and so her two front teeth appeared extra buck-toothy. But she was cute despite her teeth when she smiled. They were a scrappy lot. All of them were able to negotiate the Nile without incident. So they resorted to slamming their long oars against their opponent's legs, abdomens, backs, and faces. The host just shrugged her shoulders and said, I never said there were rules against contact. Someone just had to make it to the Mediterranean. The contestants whacked over and over, and the group thinned out fast. I don't know what happened to any of the fallen. They just sank into the Nile, as did their oars and boards. Soon it was just four contestants left, Bruce Willis, Bucktooth Girl, and another girl and guy. Not sure of their descriptions. The host ramped up her taunting, especially between Bruce Willis and the other girl. She smacked Bruce Willis in the face, then the groin, but he barely wobbled on his board. She became furious, enraged, and started calling him a whore. 
He was embarrassed to hear the woman talk like that. She, sorry, he started to wobble. But then he used his oar to rebalance himself. He whacked the girl across her calves when she got ahead of him in the river. She almost fell, but prevented it by twirling her oar like a marching band baton, which acted like a boat's propeller. Bruce Willis shoved his oar into the Nile and said, yippee ki sweet cheeks, and hauled ass to catch up to the woman. He got ahead by a few inches and then jabbed his oar into her stomach. She flew heels overhead into the Nile, oar and board, too. The Bucktooth girl was dueling with her opponent while this was going on. Bruce Willis paddled closer to watch, like a spectator. Bucktooth used her oar like she was fencing. The man she battled with could only keep up defensively. Every time she whacked or jabbed the man in the face, he lost a tooth. The man was devastated. He began insulting her, telling her she was ugly, related to Disney's Goofy, a dog that no man would want because you can't suck dick if you're a bucktooth. The host woman laughed, shrugged, no rules, remember? Bruce Willis knocked the host into the Nile. She fell in slow motion like Hans Gruber, or and bore, <laughs> or and board went into the water. Bruce Willis caught up to the bucktooth girl. Her opponent was gone. She paddled her way toward the convergence, where the white Nile finally met up with the blue. Bruce paddled, too. Bucktooth girl batted her eyelashes at Bruce, then used the top of her oar to unbutton Bruce's cargo pants. Bruce didn't bat an eye. He wanted to be kind to her. She paddled closer to his board until they were side by side. Then they both put one foot on the other's board. They stood facing one another. Bucktooth girl gave her oar to Bruce and told him to row steady. Then she got down onto her knees, one knee on her board, one on Bruce's. She pulled his cock out and began sucking him. Her two front teeth scraped a little, but Bruce sighed, paddled, and gave over to her. It seemed that as she sucked, their boards went faster, her rhythm affecting their pace. And like a rudder, when she sucked him on the side of his cock, their boards moved that direction. Bruce Willis let the oars go. He looked down at the buck-toothed girl and asked her permission. She smiled, the tip of his cock still in her mouth. Her gums were big, and Bruce thought them beautiful, pink against her shiny white front teeth. He put his hands on the back of her head and steadied his feet. Each board balanced perfectly. The buck-toothed girl opened her mouth very wide and braced her knees on each board. She held on to the thigh pockets of Bruce's cargo pants and let him move her head to steer their way together towards the Mediterranean. He shoved her head fast, making her suck deeper, and they floated faster. He shoved his cock deep into her throat and cranked her left or right to steer them around logs or other obstacles that floated in the Nile. 
When they reached the Mediterranean, Bruce Willis came in the Bucktooth girl's mouth, and she spat it all into the water as a gift. Okay, <laughs> so that's the end of dream number one. Um, you'll have to forgive me. My my kitten is clawing at the door trying to get into the booth as, as I was reading that. So, ah, little man, go on, go take care of your toys or something. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, so that was uh, dream number one that I had. And I don't ask me. I, I really, I have no clue. <laughs> I love the fact that one of the people or the host of the show fell into the Nile like Hans Gruber. Like that was one of my favorite parts of this dream. Also, it's kind of fun to think of, you know, getting your dick sucked and it's like you're your rudder and your your propeller <laughs> to make you go faster. Like I know that there's some sci-fi stories written out there about spaceships that are kind of run that way. <laughs> so I don't know. That's kind of fun. Um, boy, if I were to make that an episode, where to? St- I mean, obviously the Nile and maybe this you know competition element to it. Boy, I don't know. <laughs> That one's a big question mark. (laughs) Maybe that one wouldn't make it onto the show. (laughs) Maybe it's just perfect as it is with Bruce Willis. You know, and it's funny, I can remember, man, did he make the news around that time? Uh, In the dream, he was probably closer in look to his diehard age rather than how old he is now. Uh, but this Bucktooth girl, boy, I re- she kind of had like, you know, like a beaver's kind of front teeth. Like they were significantly Bucktoothed. And her gums, super thick. I, I don't know why. It was interesting. Uh, and I just remember, like I can remember the way he looked down at her face, just seeing those big, thick gums. And I think he probably thought you know, something like, like maybe very pussy-like, but there's teeth there. So like, he's really got to let her kind of take the lead on that. So I don't know. Very interesting. Very interesting. (laughs) Okay. So, so that was the first dream. Here we go. Let's go to immediately. We're going to dive into dream number two. Black widows are hidden everywhere throughout my house. Dave and the kids are getting ready to help me kill them. We all have fly swatters that Dave says he got a good deal on at the gas station. I'm terrified of the spiders, but really want the job done. We move through the house together, finding spiders hidden under our beds, hanging within the kids' shower curtain, within all the door frames. The black widows somehow know that we are coming for them and so begin to change the way they look. They begin to change only their abdomens, though, to resemble ladybugs. Their legs are still long and slick black. This makes the spiders much scarier looking to me. But one after the other, my family and I splat the spiders dead with our discount fly swatters until we get to the last spider that is hanging way up in the corner of our home's entryway. This spider is different. This one is metallic colored and massive, 
about the size of a human head. It knows we are coming for it, and when we gather in the entryway below it, it drops down. Like the Terminator in T2, it grows ahead and screams at us. I'm crying and screaming back at it, swatting at the creature until it finally dies. Bright green slimy blood splatters all over us like we'd been slimed by Slimer from Ghostbusters. That was dream number two. I, I don't know. Maybe I was stressing. Maybe this is a stress dream. It sounds, you know, there's like, I can remember actually truly being scared of these Black Widows. And I don't know if I've ever talked about this before, but I, I don't have a phobia of Black Widows, but I did have an incident with Black, with a Black Widow when I was a very young girl one had climbed into my little sister's she was four she is four years younger than me it had climbed into her diaper and I can remember hanging her upside down and shaking her trying to get it or no I think my mom hung her upside down by her grabbed her by her feet and was shaking her to try to get this spider out and I thought what open the diaper (laughs) get it out just release it um I don't remember if that spider ever got out. I'm assuming it did. <laughs> but um, yeah, I we have had in the past black spiders in our house, uh, black widows in the house, but, and I kill them. Like I, that, I kill them. Most of the time bugs come in the house, they're dead. This is my my territory. If they're outside, I leave them alone, except for black widows because they're toxic you know, in my head, I rationalize. They're toxic. I got to kill them. But I just don't like them. (laughs) I don't like them. (laughs) They're scary looking. (laughs) And so I kill them. (laughs) So I think this was a stress dream. Um, Yeah, I don't know about the T2 part, though. (laughs) Maybe that's me looking back at myself and swatting my fear dead. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) If I were to make that a KMQ episode... (laughs) I doubt that I would. <laughs> I doubt it. That one just wouldn't make the cut, I don't think. It's just too, it goes nowhere. It starts nowhere and it goes nowhere. Maybe it would be like an element. You know, this could be actually now that I'm thinking about it, because sometimes, you know, this entire, th- these journals are my pick and pull, right? And so dream number two has got Black Widows in it. So maybe I would just put Black Widows in a story. And I would use maybe some of the elements, like I'm terrified of them, like that's my worst fear or something, some sort of a phobia, like arachnophobia, right? Like that's a significant thing. Um, Maybe I would use that. That would be, that would be fun. Pretty easy to play with. Yeah, that's probably what I'd do. (laughs) Okay, let's get to dream number three. Again, this is going to be a completely different tone. The first dream had a little bit of sex in it, but it wasn't for the purposes of like passion, really, um, or necessarily eroticism. Uh, And then there's none, obviously, in number two, just some fear and conquering that fear. Uh, But this third one, this one's this one's sexy. (laughs) So here we go. The third one's a charm, right? All right. Here we go. Dream number three. I am in my office at my desk. 
I'm rummaging around in one of the drawers, looking for something. I think a pencil eraser. I notice that there are tons of bits and pieces, odds and ends of jewelry in all the compartments. I have an idea that the office should host a giveaway with all the earring backs, posts, hoops, broken necklaces, and lost rings that everyone has gathered over the years. Somehow, I know that all of my staff members have discovered lots of lost bits of jewelry around our big office building. In real estate, everyone wears jewelry, including men. I grab a box and clean out my desk of all the pieces of jewelry I found, including men's abandoned cufflinks and tie pins. As I'm filling up this box, a man walks into my office. He is carrying a coffee carafe full of coffee and asks if I'd like a refill. I tell him yes, but that he better be certain that he wants to serve me. The man loosens his tie, which is striped with red, and has a black sandwich imprinted on it. I tell him to pick another tie before he comes back to my office. He nods and then pours my coffee, and then he pulls his pants down to show me his boxers. I like them much better. They are silk, white, with no print on them. I put my box of lost jewelry down on a chair and watch as the man lays down on the floor behind my desk. I sit back down in my rolly chair and tell him to remove my right shiny black high heel. I'm wearing pantyhose that have roses sewn into them. They go from my big toe all the way up to my crotch. The man groans when he sees them, knowing how I always wear some article of clothing that represents my name. I roll my chair, which is a tight fit behind my desk and not an easy task, until I am close enough to the coffee man to put my nyloned foot against his nose and lips. He finally sets the coffee down and tucks his hands beneath his rump. The sensation of his warm breath and the wetness of his tongue as he smells, breathes, and licks the flavor and scent of my foot is invigorating. He repeats the letter O against the arch of my foot and my heel, and I ask him what that means. He says, omnipotent one. I take off my other heel and press both feet to the man's face and lean back in my rolly chair, savoring the way he smells them, licks them, he bites gently at my heels, and I use my tape dispenser, the tape roll end, to rub my clit. I scratch my nipples with the toothed end of the dispenser. The man sucks the toes of one of my feet into his mouth. I reach my other foot to his silky boxers. I feel his cock. It's hard, but so thin and short, like the size of a breakfast sausage. I tell him, it's a little one, isn't it? The man groans, yes, and that he's terribly embarrassed about it. I tell him to hush, that it's the right size for my toes. 
I sit back again, feeling one foot getting serviced, while my other slides over the man's short, thin cock. He comes, and his silky boxers are transparent. I tell him to pick up his coffee pot, to leave his trousers here, and go see if anyone else would like some coffee. I put my shoes back on. It was interesting to walk around my office building with one soggy foot. I found myself limping as my left foot slid inside my high heel. Nobody seemed to think anything of it as I went desk to desk, collecting all the bits and pieces of jewelry from everyone. Nor did they say anything about the coffee boy walking around with jizz-stained satin. The office prepared for the jewelry party, and I was in the kitchen washing dishes. One woman brought me a chafing dish she wanted to use. She had very long brown hair, curly to the point that it was kinky, and it always seemed to obstruct her vision. Clumsily, she put her chafing dish in my sink of bubbly wash water. She began to cry, and I asked her what was wrong. She showed me her tits. One was significantly larger than the other, including the areola and nipple. I put my washcloth down and rubbed bubbles over both her breasts. I rubbed bubbles through her knee-length kinky hair and told her that she was beautiful, that she should not be ashamed of her tits or hair, that she should relish them. They were hers, after all, special, and that when I saw each of them, I thought she could drive any race car she wanted, that she could wear any dress, that she could slog through any muddy garden and still be a vision of feminine beauty. Her mismatched tits were especially lovely because she could have one man in love with one while another loved her other tit. Some men preferred big tits and some preferred small. She could have the luxury of two unique men to satisfy her. I handed her back her now sparkling clean chafing dish and sent her on her way. Then I began washing all the odds and ends of the jewelry. That's it. That was, that's the end of that dream. So as you can see, none of these dreams connect as far as I can see, unless I was working my way up to being a dom. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But if I were to use this dream number three in a story, I would keep it as it was. I would take out... uh, I don't know that I would take out anything, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, even this weird, like, standout moment where I thought she could drive any race car that she wanted, I think what I would do to like make that fit would be, maybe she already was, maybe she was a race car driver. And it's hard to be a woman race car driver, I would think. Um, You know, I only know of one, Danica Patrick, I don't even know if she does it anymore. But um, so I can imagine that there would be a lot of emotional conflict there. And then on top of that, she's got this like super kinky hair that's always, you know, obstructing her vision. And then these mismatched tits of hers. Um, Hmm. I think I would keep it. I think I would keep it. 
And then, I mean, part of me would be like, well, maybe that would have turned me on or the main character. And maybe it all would have been kind of fun for me to go, well, I mean, some days I want this, other days I would want that. So you're perfect for me. Um, or maybe I would call the office boy back and be like, okay, which one do you want? And I'll take the other one. <laughs> like, you know, there's no limitation to dreams. And that's that's what's so incredible too, right? Like, do you remember your dreams? Like how wild and and bizarre do your dreams get, right? Like, and do you write them down? Do you tell anybody about them or do you try to make sense of them? Um, for me, boy, there are like three significant elements that repeat in my dreams. They don't always occur in all of them. I'm doing a lot of saving. Another element would be like this adventure style, these elaborate, like movies, really, in general, like epic sagas. There's things going on and sex is always a part of that, but it isn't the nut always. Like it's what is happening. This, you know, we're trying to accomplish something to obtain some goal. On top of that, sex, right? Like sex has always been a part of it. And like this might, I don't know. I Do I want to? Yes, I'm going to go there. Okay. So, so I've always felt like even from a little, a young girl that my sex and, and my actual physical body were powerful things, uh, too powerful, too powerful for the opposite sex. And even perhaps for myself, because I was never in charge of it until like adulthood. And so um, I didn't ever feel like I could fully let it out. And so within my dreams, I could control what was happening like to my body, like to other people from me, what I could give to them and what I would take from them. Um, it was all mine, like the sex, like I was like this sex gourmand, right? Like, uh, you know, I wanted it and I wanted a lot of it. And I think that within my dreams, um, it was all mine. I owned it and it was very powerful and, and I could take it anywhere I wanted. Uh, and that was very, um, appealing to me. And so I would purposefully like go, okay, what scenario do I want? And I would play it out. It would start off as maybe some weird adventure, but I would always throw sex into it. Um, Cause I didn't, I, you know, we didn't talk about sex a lot. And so I was maybe trying to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, so control and figuring things out and just, you know, for giggles, right? It's fun. You know, you, God, I can't tell you how often I woke up horny <laughs> or just was throughout the day horny. And that wasn't acceptable, right? Like as a girl, you just, you don't get to do that. Uh, you have to be a certain way and certainly sexual was not one of the ways. So, 
Uh, yeah, there you go. That's my <laughs> my little my little brief dive into these common elements that I dream about, and I still do. Like I still do. It's fun for me, and I'll do it on purpose to escape. Right? Life can be hard or not fun or just dull or I don't know you just want it you know like why why do we pick a good book to read because we want to be entertained that's kind of what I will purposefully do like with my dreams um it's fun I love it uh, so hey what kind of dreams do you have are you paying any attention to your your dream time. How about writing it down? Doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense. Don't overthink it. Just write it down. Maybe you're a writer. Maybe you can start building your own pick and pull catalog. I don't know. It's a tool. It's something. Boy, is it something. All right, you guys, that's all I've got for you today. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, follow me on Twitter at Rose Carraway or at the KMQ. Uh, go to the website, thekissmequicks.com. If you want to support the show and you want to get Big Daddy back in the studio more often like I do, um, <laughs> please do go to Audible and nab one of our audiobooks. They're all fun. They're all sexy find one. I've got quite the library waiting there just for you. All right, you guys. Love ya. See you soon. Stupid fish.